I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What will it look like when the church begins to use the keys that Jesus gave us? Amen. Delightful to have you. Thanks for coming. It's going to be a good day. Uh, we're in for a fun time. Uh, Leif Hetland, who's a friend of ours and uh, ministers a lot in uh, a lot of Muslim countries, Leif has seen probably about 1.3 million Muslims come to know Christ, which is a beautiful thing. And he's known as the ambassador of love, which is, which is another beautiful thing. And he's uh, just a delightful guy. He ministered last year in Pakistan. He'd, he'd hired out a stadium, 50,000 seater, to do one of the crusades that he usually does. And they had a terrible flood in that place, and so the, the whole thing was canceled and nobody could get out, and then it was just a, a, a problem. So they, they lost quite a bit of money on that, and he's going again this April and to the same stadium, and we're going to trust God with him that uh, the Lord give him breakthrough there. Um, but he asked if uh, we would consider partnering with him to cover some of the, defray some of the costs from last year and help pay for this year. And I said, we'd love to do that. So um, during this week, uh, Wednesday, when the newsletter comes out to your mailbox, in that you'll find a little description about what we're talking about, as well as a video that Leif put out explaining what's going on. And uh, we're asking everybody to consider, would you go and ask the Lord and pray about it? And maybe the Lord will speak to you about making some contribution uh, at the end of this month, the last Sunday, we're going to take up an offering for him, and we're going to send that off uh, in preparation for his trip to Pakistan. Last year, he met with several members of the cabinet and the, uh, the president, and uh, so God's doing something beautiful with Leif, and it would be lovely to partner with him. The scripture says, he who wins souls is wise, and uh, it's always a good place to invest your money in people who are winning souls for eternity. Because one day somebody will come up to you and say thank you, and you're not going to know them, and they're going to go, no, your money helped get me saved. And uh, that's, uh, I'm looking forward to that. So um, if you would consider this, if you, if you don't want to wait till the end of the month, you can just go onto our giving tab at, uh, where you usually give tithes and offerings and whatever else you give, and uh, you'll see there's a drop-down. In the drop-down menu, one of those places says Leif Hetland, Pakistan, and you can give there. And uh, We'll just take that up. God loves cheerful givers. We're going to give cheerfully, and then we'll give that to life as a contribution towards that outreach. So that's that. In the meantime, we're going to invite you to give as you feel led by the Lord to do so uh, to the needs of our church. Thank you so much. We've been talking in this series uh, about keys of the kingdom, and it's been uh, hopefully a great series for you, and it's been helpful and uh, educational in a sense, but... Uh, the real joy of the series for me would have been if you started to put some of those things into practice. Let me lay down uh, a basic idea, a basic principle before we get into the keys that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, it's just so that we're all on the same page. My premise is that if an error is declared into an atmosphere, if somebody is in a place and they get up and they declare something that's really wrong, if you remain silent then it's taken as agreement. This is, we know from Numbers 30, where Moses is explaining how things ought to be in the household of God. And he says, listen, if, if uh, a wife makes a vow to the Lord and the husband hears about it and he says nothing, then her vow will stand. And if he agrees with it, then her vow will stand. But if he says, hey, hang on, honey, we, we, can't, we can't do that, then the Lord will release her from the vow because uh, th th there wasn't an agreement. So 
one of the, the simple issues is if I remain silent and somebody preaches error, you know, God hates people and he doesn't heal today. Blatantly wrong. And I say nothing, then it's taken as I agreed with that. So silence is equal to agreement in, in an understanding of the spirit. Now, if they say something so foolish and I agree with them, then my agreement is taken as a confirmation because the principle of Scripture is everything, every matter is established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if there's a group of us and we all come into agreement that God is terrible and He hates human beings and He doesn't ever heal, then, then that's the reality that we're going to live into because we've, we've formed an agreement around this issue, which is basically a lie, completely a lie. So the only way that if I want to reorient the situation, the only way is I have to vocalize something. I have to vocalize a truth so that reorientation can come. It's the only way to establish the other. We seed the atmosphere with truth or wisdom or heaven's perspective. And the scripture says, how can people believe unless somebody goes to them and preaches to them? And how can somebody preach unless they've been sent? So basically, Jesus said, I want you to go out into the whole earth, and I want you to proclaim this gospel. I want you to go and reorient humankind back to the truth of the gospel. Amen. We speak the truth into situations, and if we remain silent, it's taken as agreement. If we agree, the matter is established. But if we vocalize the truth, there can be a reorientation in people's minds, and that process is sometimes uncomfortable. So if you go into a hospital where they've just had terrible news that your child has a few months to live and you vocalize the God of the healing, that people start to get nervous and like, that's very insensitive. How can you be doing that? Why don't you agree with us that this little girl is going to die and then we can all get on with the process of planning the funeral? So the church is supposed to go and preach this good news. Because Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Because everything that I've locked up in heaven, I'm going to give you the key. Because you're going to be living on the earth. And so you can walk around on earth. And if it's locked in heaven, you can lock it up on earth. You think cancer's rampant in the throne room? Nothing. Cancer doesn't even come close. Whatever is loosed in heaven, you can loose on earth. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to give you the authority of my kingship. And where two or three of you come together in agreement, you can unlock things and there can be a profound open door and you can establish the, the, the nature of heaven on the earth. And that's what Jesus meant. So we live in a world that sees things extremely differently to the way the kingdom views things. In fact, Corinthians says the things of the spirit are foolishness to the, to the people who don't have the spirit. Uh, Corinthians talks about their, their minds have been blinded by the enemy. Ephesians talks about that the, the, there's an ignorance in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So to people who don't operate in faith, to people who don't have a kingdom view, our faith will seem at best naive and at worst dangerous. Now this world will proclaim its viewpoint unapologetically. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that viewpoint and that reality to stand as if it was true, but it is not. 
of, of all the people on the earth, believers are the only people who have a shot at transforming the earth because we have been radically internally transformed. Everything inside of us has become made new. We didn't earn this of ourselves, but when we came into faith, Jesus released something. We were born again. The old me that was sold as a slave to sin was put to death. Sinful nature was cut off me. I was given a brand new life, which is now created to be in the image of Jesus. I was baptized into his death and his burial and his resurrection. I am now seated with Christ in heavenly places, as are you. We have been filled with His Spirit. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And now He has given us His authority and said, Now go into all the world, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, but I'm giving it to you to go into all this world and reorient the world. requires faith and a life that's settled on the Word of God, but it's the most exciting way that you can possibly live. Now, there's going to be two keys we discussed today, and when we engage in using these keys, we, they, both keys serve to unlock heaven's reality here on earth. These keys allow the atmosphere of heaven to be breathed on earth. And these two keys will constantly refute the world's perspective. Because the world is constantly going to be declaring its perspective. God hates you. God doesn't like you. God is not interested in you. Uh, there is no hope for you. Uh, you're a mess. There's nothing else you can do. You're stuck in this world. And the truth of the gospel is anti all of that. You're a, a beloved child. You are, have a destiny in God. God has a plan for your life. The love of God for you is a it is like an ocean beyond your wildest dreams. He never leaves you. He cannot be unfaithful to you. He loves you. That's the truth of the gospel. And it's time that we oriented ourselves so we can proclaim that gospel. And God gave us some keys that help us do that. These two are our primary reorienting mechanisms. So here we go. The keys are the keys of thanksgiving and the keys of praise. Keys of thanksgiving and the key of praise. Let me talk about thanksgiving to start with. The Bible says thanksgiving is something that should be always engaged with. Thanksgiving always. And if you, if you took those two words, that's probably the synopsis of thanksgiving in the New Testament. Thanksgiving always. No matter where you are, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter who's saying what to you, thanksgiving is always a good thing. What should I do now? Give thanks. Always. Let me show you some. For everything, Ephesians 5, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Every good gift comes down from the Father. There is so much that God is doing in your life, if you would just take a slight moment to think about it, that you could pour out into Him to say, thank you for this, Lord. And it's amazing to me, every time Michelle and I come to a time of prayer, and we just say, let's just start with thanksgiving. And then we start, and then, you, then it just rolls and rolls. Oh, thank you for that. How kind. Oh, thank you for that. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, in other words, in all endeavor, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everything you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be doing it with thanksgiving. How about Thessalonians? 
in every circumstance. Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now you go, well, that's great, Greg. That sounds wonderful, but how can I do that? Well, thanksgiving is not anchored in, in this current world. Thanksgiving has to be anchored in the world beyond. It goes to something much greater than my current emotional state. It goes further than the circumstances I'm currently in. It is anchored in the nature of God, in His character and in His attributes and the fact that He never changes. He is compassionate and gracious and loving and kind and faithful. He cannot deny me. He cannot deny himself. He remains faithful to me even when I am faithless. This is what the scripture declares because that's who he is. And because he never changes and because my thanksgiving is not anchored in my emotions and it's not anchored in the current set of circumstances, it's anchored in his nature. I am always able to give thanks. It's anchored in his nature and it's anchored in the truth of the gospel and in the finished work of Jesus. Because Jesus already finished his perfect work on the cross. Jesus already went into the most holy place with his own blood. He already offered that blood as a sacrifice once and for all, for all mankind, for all sin, for all time. And the Father already has accepted that sacrifice on behalf of all mankind. The jury is still not out on what's going to happen. It's already happened. And what happens is we step in and say, thank you for that. And when I say thank you for that, I align my perspective with what has already happened in heaven and it releases it on the earth. That's right. My circumstances, along with the perspectives of this world, will conspire together to preach to me things that are untrue about God and that are contrary to the gospel. Did you get that? This world and my personal perspective, if I don't have a, a, a kingdom perspective, if I allow worldly perspective, it will conspire to preach to me lies about who God is. God wants you to have this terrible disease so that you can suffer and learn about him. And by the way, he's not healing people anymore. That's a lie. But how do I access the, healer, the healing God? How do I access the ever-present help in times of need? How do I access the God who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you? Well, I say, Lord, thank you that you are that. Thank you that you are my healer. Thank you that you've never changed. Thank you that you've never moved away. Even though I don't feel you now, Lord, I know for a fact, thank you that you never leave me or forsake me. When I start to unlock thanksgiving, when I take up the key of thanksgiving, I start to unlock the realities I know that are true in heaven, and they start to be made manifest on the earth, because I have and you have the key of thanksgiving. So Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Well, how come, how come I never see the salvation of God? Because the key's getting dusty in your pocket. Thank you that you're a loving father who said he'd never leave me. Thank you that your salvation is near. So grateful, Lord, that you're an ever-present help in a time of need. So thankful that your ears are attentive to my cry. So nice to have your eyes on me, Lord. So grateful that you can't be unfaithful to me. Thank you for your compassionate heart and your gracious manner, Lord. Suddenly, when I'm open, when I use the key of thanksgiving, suddenly all of the things that I'm extolling the God for, the truth of what I say, is made manifest in my life. 
Thank you, Lord, for miracles and signs and wonders. And when I choose thanksgiving over a particular set of circumstances and over a particular emotion that I'm feeling or over a specific report that I've been given, I then affirm the eternal realities that are beyond the current set of circumstances. And that's in my hands and it's in your hands. I do not come into agreement with the report or the circumstance or the feeling, but with the beauty of Jesus Christ, His finished work, and the love of my Father in heaven. And I unlock it by thanks. Thank you, Father. <laughs> you, know, you know, Jesus, Jesus did this often. When they, he needed to feed the crowd. He said, he said just sit, him sit down and bring that bread. And he said, thanks, Dad. When he was going to raise the guy from the dead, he said, I thank you, Dad, that you always hear me. Jesus started miraculous moving by thanksgiving. Let's unlock heaven. That's why thanksgiving is supposed to be a significant part of our prayer life. Thanksgiving and prayer are locked together in the New Testament. You'll find this again and again. Thanksgiving and prayer. And so there's a bunch of scriptures I want to take you through. Now I'm going to go through them very quickly. Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will God your heart and mind in Christ Jesus with thanksgiving. If you start, if you start to bring your requests to God, I want to dare you, I want to challenge you to bring thanksgiving with it. Father, I have this financial need. Father, I need this healing. Father, I need uh, a relationship repaired. And I thank you that you are the God of all compassion and that you understand. I thank you, Lord, that you have already made provision available. I thank you, Jesus, that you were made so very poor so that in you I can become so very wealthy. I thank you, Father, that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. See, every time you start to... Just coming into alignment with the truth by your thanksgiving. You start to align something, and it's like the billows of heaven start to blow faith into your spirit. Am I preaching yet to anyone? <laughs> you all look so spiritual. <laughs> Ephesians 1, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you. Philippians 3, I thank God every time in all my prayers I mention you. Colossians 1, I always thank God when we pray for you. Thessalonians 1, I always thank God mentioning you in our prayers. Second Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, I urge that intercession and prayers and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. I thank God, 2 Timothy says, every time I remember you in my prayers. Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Thanks and prayer go together. Can I just, can I just whisper a truth? i tell you a truth. I dare you in your prayers this week to start them and soak them in thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is a key that unlocks something on earth. I want to talk about intentional thanksgiving. I want to talk about creating a path for the salvation of God. Psalm 50 says, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way, or she prepares the way, so that I might show them my salvation. 
It's a fascinating scripture, this, because it says basically when you decide, when you engage with thanksgiving, when you step up and say, Father, I bless your name, God says you are preparing a way for my salvation to roll down. You are creating a pathway. It's like a cobblestone that you laid, and you lay the next one, and thanksgiving. And then uh, eventually if you have a lifestyle of this, God rolls down the highway of your thanksgiving with his salvation. He prepares, she prepares the way that I might show them my salvation. I don't want a bicycle path. I want a highway. I want, I want salvation to roll into every area of my life. And you know what? I can do it because he gave me the key. I can open doors. I can create ways. And it's my decision. It's in my hands and it's in your hands. Because he said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Oh, Greg, I'm not sure it works that way. I am. Imagine if our thanksgiving were cobblestones that you laid down to build a way. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come back up. We're about to, we're about to, we're about to do this because I don't just want to preach about it and then I just wanted us to listen and then I want us to put it into practice. But I want you to imagine in your life, and I'm pretty sure every one of us has got some salvation from God that we'd like. I'd love the, the salvation, the saving, the sozo power. It means he, he comes down and he makes everything whole in my life. That's what salvation means. It's not just I'm going to get to heaven when I die. He, he transforms my entire life, brings me a, a wholesome thinking, gives me a pure heart, gives me uh, right desires, creates wholeness in every aspect of my life. That salvation, that sozo, that life of God just creating beauty in my life. If, if you will sacrifice thank offerings, you make a way for me to roll down the road with that kind of salvation. In Luke 17, there's a story about 10 men who are, have leprosy. And uh, if you're a leper, you were shunned in that you weren't allowed in public. You were, you were the filthiest of the filthy. You had to ring a bell and shout, unclean, unclean, anytime you came near somebody who was in a public arena or and so people would leave food out for them, and then they'd run away, and they'd have to come pick up the food at a place. Nobody wanted to touch them. And so if you were a leper, nobody ever touched you. Nobody ever hugged you. Everybody ran screaming from you. And so these 10 stand at a distance, and they scream to Jesus, would you please have mercy on us? And Jesus, as you know, the story sends them. He says, go show yourself to the priests in Jerusalem. Because the law required that if you'd been healed of leprosy, you had to go show the priest. You had to prove it to the priest. The priest had to inspect you, and then the priest could declare you clean. So, so they said, would you heal us? And see, Jesus said, yeah, go, you're healed. Go and show yourself to the priest. And on the way, as they were walking towards the priest, they got healed of their leprosy. And then they showed themselves, and the priest looked at them, and he said, yeah, you guys are all healed of leprosy. And so they went, woo. And one of them came back. Let's pick up the story. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where then are the other nine? That seems like a pretty good basic set of manners. Somebody delivered you out of a lifestyle of having to run around calling yourself unclean and being shunned. You can go back to your family. You can hug people. You can be celebrated in the community. You'd think that at least they'd have come back and said, gee, thanks. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has saved you. The literal in the Greek means your faith has brought you salvation. 
He came back to say thank you. And God rolled down the road that he created with salvation. See, see, 10 were healed, but only one got salvation. 10 were healed of their leprosy, but only one, because of his thanksgiving, had the fullness of the salvation of God hit every area of his life. Jesus said, your faith, what you just did now, has given you a, 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 a salvation that comes from me. I don't know what it is in your life. But I believe that God has put a key in your hand. And I'd like us to just make a decision together. Uh, to be honest, I'm not going to be watching you. I got some thanksgiving I need to make to my father. I got some salvation I'd like to roll into my life. And seeing as he gave me the key, I'm going to use it in me. I'd like you to suggest you use it for you. So I'm just going to hand over to the worship team. They're going to lead us, and we're going to give thanks and put this into practice. Let's do that now. No, we can't help but praise you, Lord. Can't help but give you thanks. Yeah. 
Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your salvation to roll down these roads that we've created. I pray, Lord, for the breakthrough this week. I pray for supernatural breakthrough, Lord. Break open. Bring supernatural provision. New doors opening, Lord. We open them now because we say thank you. Everything, everything is to be received with thanksgiving. Your word says, Lord. So we receive from you, Lord, beauty. We thank you, Lord, that things are changing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your seats, please. The second key I want to talk about today is the key of praise. Because the key of praise is a little bit more militant than thanksgiving. Key of praise is something that we go and bash down some doors. We kick down some things that stand in the way. The key of praise is what orients us to heaven. It it reassigns, it reestablishes, it reascribes. This is who my God is. This is the truth. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, we scream out, no, no, my God is this. He is faithful and true. He never fails. He's never lost a battle and never will. And again, let me say praise. The key of praise is in our hands. It's in our hands. Acts 16 There's a story about Paul and Silas. Let me pick it up at verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Before this great miraculous salvation and deliverance, Paul and Silas were seized in the marketplace because they'd driven a demon out of a a girl who told fortunes. And when the people saw that their means of making money was gone, they stirred up the crowd and the crowd rushed at them and beat them. And typically what happened when they, when they were beaten like this, when you were beaten in the Jewish place, center place, they would rip your clothes off. So they were, they were exposed as naked. And then they were beaten with rods, which happened to Paul three times he said in his life this was one of them and they beat them with rods they took basically they took thick sticks and they just beat them till they were their anger was spent and then they dragged them because they couldn't walk into the prison and they told the prisoner listen watch out for these guys these are extremely dangerous people and I want them he said on your pain of your life these guys do not escape and so the prison, prison guy said oh, I get it and he put them in the deepest darkest horriblest part of the dungeon and he put them in stocks in chains they're in the dark they're still bleeding from their beating. They're in the worst part of the dungeon. And all they did was do a righteous thing. Do so you know what they chose to do? They started singing hymns. They came into agreement with the realities of heaven and not the reality of the one that they're currently facing. They started to give praise to God. Our mighty fortress is our God. Praise Him forevermore. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord of my soul. And now the prisoners are going, I think they got hit in the head too much. But their praise begins to create an atmosphere, like the atmosphere of heaven, until heaven is made manifest among them. 
So you can say, oh, well, it, it's, it's, it's just a remarkable coincidence that, it, that, a, that an earthquake happened at the time. Yeah, but earthquakes don't typically open all the doors at the same time and create all the chains to fall off all the prisoners. That usually doesn't happen with an earthquake. But they picked up the key of praise. They, they made a decision. They said, we're going to praise our God. I, 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 don't, I don't like, it's a little too cold in here. I don't think I can worship today. These are not my favorite songs. We're not going to sit here and mope. We're not going to accept this as our reality. We're not going to come into agreement and, and complain and groan, oh, how horrible is my life? No, we're going to come into agreement and do warfare in the heavenlies. We're going to proclaim the truth. We're going to release our faith. We're going to declare the praises of him who called us out of this darkness. We're, we're rejoicing because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're rejoicing because he loves us with an everlasting love. We share a great salvation. We have peace with God. I am justified. He has removed all the wrath of God against me. I'm praising God because he is faithful and true and kind. And my current circumstances have got nothing to do. They cannot hold me back from declaring the high praises of my God. One Peter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is always an element of faith in every time I praise there is a declaration of who God is and what he's eager to do and every time I sing that it's not always because I'm feeling that it's because that is an accurate truth that I need to align my life with I praise him because it's true about him not because it's necessarily true about what I'm experiencing I praise him and declare the truth because I have to reorient the circumstances to heaven that's why he gave me the keys of the kingdom so I can unlock on this earth what is real in heaven and so the key of praise is put into our hands and you can use it whatever time you choose well I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable right now I don't think I'm going to praise yeah yeah because some of us the keys get so dusty in the pocket that we've never used them and we go why am I not experiencing the great victories of God because you're not using the keys We need to ascribe greatness to God as a habit, as a norm. It needs to be what we do. This is how he's supposed to be heralded. When I praise God in the midst of the enemy screaming lies at me or the world shouting its threats at me or my own inner weakness whispering lies to me, praise unlocks for me a different reality and it unlocks the truth that is celebrated in heaven and brings that truth into my reality. I've had people down through the years say to us, you know, you know what, they call me aside, Greg, but let, let me explain to you how Northlands will grow quicker. If you just tone down the worship, if you just make it so that everybody feels comfortable while we worship, because we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And so just, let's just tone down the worship. And I go, uh, does that contain the power of God? Does that kind of worship unlock anything? Because no, if, if not, I don't want to touch it. I want the glory of God to, to visit in our meetings. I want to unlock heaven in the meetings. And that kind of praise is something that you have to get, you, you have to get on. 
See, see, praise proves that I get who God is. It proves, no matter the circumstances, no matter what the enemy just jumped up and screamed, no matter what circumstances are, are screaming, no matter what emotions I'm going through, I go, no, 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 this is who he is. And I ascribe greatness to him. I begin to praise the God, and I begin to take the key, and I go, no, 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 no. He is faithful and true. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He always loves. There is an ocean for me. I'm unlocking that, by the praises of God that reality in my life. We're creating pathways for God's reality to flow down. We're coming into agreement with truth and not merely echoing current circumstances. Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. When last did you, I'm talking about you, when last did you make His praise out of your mouth glorious? When last did you shout for joy to God? That's what the Bible says. That's a command. Shout for joy to God. Make His praise glorious. That's not saying, Jesus, would you make your praise glorious? He's going to people. Hey, people, make His praise glorious. Well, I don't feel like it. Make His praise glorious. Fling the door wide. Sing His praise. But Greg, I feel like I'm lying because that's not where I am. Well, that's where you're going to stay until you unlock the door. <laughs> when Balaam was asked to come and curse Israel, you know, he stood on the hill and he overlooked them and he goes, yeah, I can't curse them. And Balak said, why? He said, because there's a shout of the king among them. That moment when the king comes out of his tent dressed for battle and the warriors are all waiting for him and the king comes out and they begin to chant and they begin to bang their swords on their shields and there's a war cry goes up from the camp and he says, I stepped up and I heard the cry of the, the shout of the king among them. He said, I can't, I can't, I can't curse that. That's, that's got the blessing of God all over. I can't curse that. It's time to let the enemy hear the war cries. Hear the declarations. It's time to reorient our circumstances. Because if you keep silent, you're in agreement. And if you agree, you're establishing something. But if you say, no, 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 this is who God is. Reorienting. So when we get intentional about praise, we, we are creating a soundtrack for warfare. I like this too much. Jehoshaphat. They came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already here. And alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to help, uh, to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town. And then the Lord speaks to them all. And he says, you will not need to fight this battle, but take up your position, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. He said, you won't have to fight, but you do have to show up. Okay. People always say, oh, I don't know, this battle is not mine. Yeah, but you have to show up in battle array. You have to stand on the battlefield. After consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, as they began... The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Heaven and earth coming into alignment and agreement is the subject of the series, and praise creates the soundtrack that God goes to war with. 
He destroys and sets up ambushes against the enemy because his people begin to extol his name. God has a soundtrack that he fights to. God has a soundtrack that he created. Uh, in Job 38, the Lord says to uh, Job, because Job is getting a little sassy with God, and he's, like, he's throwing his weight around like he has some, right? And so God says, okay, Job, let me ask you a few questions. Because <clears throat> I don't remember you being there when I created the earth and I, and I held back the waters. you remember how I did that? Or, or when I set the earth on its place. You, you know about that, right? And, and remember when I... And, and so God's just asking Job these questions because he's just taking the sass and, and deflating it. But he says to Job, where were you when, when the, the, the morning stars and the angels sang while I created? Oh, I, I, I'm so excited about that. I, one of the things I'm going to go to heaven and have the replay on is, the, is Jesus beginning to create. Because in Revelation it says there's 100 million angels in the choir around the throne, right? So, so what did a hundred million voices sound like as they began to worship, as Jesus began to speak, let there be light? Oh, what, I'm, I, I love that. God created to a soundtrack, and God goes to war to a soundtrack. His, his battle is to the soundtrack of your praise. Isaiah 30, the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod, he will strike them down. And every stroke that the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of the timbrel and the harp as his people sing his praise. God keeps time to the rhythm of our beat, just beating up on the enemy. We're called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. We're commanded to make those praises glorious so that the Lord can set ambushes to the plans of the enemy in our life and he can lay punishing strokes on the enemy. So let's create now. If you're ready, pick up the key of praise that God gave you. Pick up your key of praise. And let's come together. Let's just get into an agreement. Right now and right here, we're going to seed this atmosphere with the praises of God. And we're going to let the praises of God resound here so that the earth can shake and the chains can fall off and a new reality can be unlocked in our life. And if there's any area of your life where you're feeling chained or limited, then this is the moment for you. Pick up the key of your praise and let's shake the heavens. As the praises go up, all of heaven comes down. As our praises go up, all of heaven comes down as our praises go up. All of heaven comes down. Come on. As our praises go up. Yes, oh, praise the name of the
Yeah, praise. 